This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. Looking to set up payments for your business? Braintree gives your app or website a payment solution that accepts just about every payment method with one simple integration. Plus, Braintree will give you the first $50,000 in transactions fee-free. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what that mean? Whew. Oh. Mm. Ooh. I, um, last night, I was laying in bed. I went to bed early. 10, 10 p.m., I was in bed, covers up under my nose. Hmm. And uh, I started to play my little game on my phone. My little phone game. Your phone game, yeah. It's a game I've had for a long time. It's a little bit of a, it's like a gem game. You know the ones. You move, uh, I haven't played these, but they're very popular. You move, you can move some fruit or or some jewels. Yeah. And do you try to line them up? You move them? Yeah, you line them up. Mm Mm-hmm. I was on an airplane one time, a long time ago, flying a, a great distance, and I looked over at some passenger sitting on the aisle seat, you know, one or two rows up, and uh, he was playing a, a gem game. He was, lining, he was lining up gems. And I said, well, that seems like a fun diversion. And so I, uh, I acquired the, the gem game. I've been lining up gems for some time now. But uh, there were several, as you know, on some of these games, there were several other options for gameplay. You with me so far? I think so. I mean, so I, you, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you. So is this the kind of thing where you get an eel and, and it gives you more uh, Mario coins or something? No, no, no. You log, you log upon. Okay. The, the game, mm-hmm. and it says, "Do you want to play the uh, the standard game, or do you want to play?" octopus party Ooh. or do you want to play uh do you want to play say um gem delight mm. or the gnomes in the mine did they describe how that makes the game differ john no no they don't they, they just, just say they if there's an octopus party over there you should check it out that's right they leave it to you and so you know since i'm a traditionalist i never chose octopus party what does that have to do with gems right, right. what does that have to do with lining up gems but a few days ago, I I went to um, I was looking at my gem game and I said maybe a little variation in the gem game, maybe I will try Octopus Party, and in this case I picked Gnome Mine, which made sense. Mm-hmm. You're mi- mining gems is the mm-hmm. premise, I think. Mm-hmm. Where do the gems come from that you're lining up? It stands you to know, reason. Why, yeah, why is the game not called? Rotterdam Jeweler, hmm. right? If they had Rotterdam Jeweler, I would have played it a long time ago. Encouraging you to explore f- beyond the superficial level of the gem lining. Let's think about where this comes from. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Put a historical uh, uh, spin on it, and I think a lot of us out here playing our gem games would say, right, I will I will do Rotterdam Jeweler. I will do De Beers Vice President. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah, instead- Gu- Guyana chucker. Uh, yeah. you, you could you could get uh, you could get uh, you could get uh, a ruby digger, yeah, Some, right. But something that connects you really get your hands back into the earth. Yeah, get even if it's a, let's be honest, even if it's a middle earth, it should be a middle earth. That's one of the key. That's one of the key sources of gems. Middle earth, mm-hmm. the mines of Moria. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, so this this game has got these. Th- you know, it's like octopus card. Right? I don't want that. But I do go to a gnome mine. And and it's a variation on the game that's very appealing. It's set to a timer instead of to to some other level of achievement or kind of achievement. And so now I'm re- I have a renewed interest in it. Anyway, I went to bed at ten. I started playing Gnome Mine. At one thirty, my Fitbit, which I have programmed to think that it knows me. I told my Fitbit I like to go to bed at 2 in the morning. At 1.30 in the morning, the Fitbit said, time to get ready to go to bed. And I said, tut, tut, you Fitbit. You're not my nanny. I'm way ahead of you. I'm already in bed. (laughs) I'm in bed. That's right. I'm ready for bed. (laughs) I'm in bed. I'm I'm just diverting myself and my attention a little bit before I go to sleep by uh, lining up some gems. When I finally have had enough lining up gems, it is 5.30 in the morning. From 10 p.m. till 5.30 in the morning, I lined up gems fruitlessly for no betterment of myself or mankind. Mm. Seven and a half hours. I could have flown to Dubai. Oh, John. Not, not literally, not from here. It's a much longer flight. But I could, I could have not only flown to Honolulu, but taken a cab to the airport, had a refreshing nap. Could have had some shave si- ice. I could have had a shave ice. I could be sitting under the banyan tree at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel listening to some luau music. Uh, really, the really, time, puts, really puts it in context. You know, in the time that I'd been stacking gems, uh, so many things could have happened. I could have worked a, f- a full day at work, uh, you know, assuming that I'm going to slack off the first and last 15 minutes of full day of work yeah so i'm embarrassed i I wouldn't be as embarrassed as i as i am now having just told it to everyone yeah but i'm also exhausted from lack of sleep i have things to do today Mm. so you can see my you can see my conundra oh it's a variety of conundra it's a it's a basket of conundra Ugh. (sighs) i'm so sorry john do you have any insight into this condition yeah yeah i do i do i do um yeah i think sometimes uh i think of it as the way uh when you're trying to catch a fish you want to get the get the hook in Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you could you could be futzing around and throwing your line and uh and and based in your hook but it doesn't really Mm -hmm. but sometimes the hook gets in and in this case i think we don't always realize when the hook is in and even when it is in there's still some kind of different part of your brain that's that's uh, that's saying, hey, this this is important fishing you're doing here. Yeah, you want to get the hook in, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So which so which is which am I? Am I the fish? Is the game the fish? Where the hook is getting in? Which? 
Which one is the fish and which is oh, the fish? Oh, that's a really good. That, that, what would that, Spinoza? I don't know what that would be. That's a really, <laughs> that's a really good question. Uh, Barkley? Uh, I, that's a very good question, John. Now, it seems like you, when we think about your, your basket of conundra, you've got, yeah. on the one hand, you seem like something, something, uh, something was pleasing to you or satisfying about this game and everything yes. seemed copacetic for a while. Right. So sometimes when I think about these things for myself, and I, I just want to say, I, you know what? I'm going to share your shame. I'm going I'm to unburden you by saying oh. I do this kind of bullshit all the time. Oh. I have an awareness of when it began, and then I'm covered mm-hmm. with shame when it ends. But I'm sometimes very sketchy on what happened in between, apart from yeah. the fact my phone is now at 3% and I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I, I just, I'll cut this out. I do not want to talk about the election, but I, I don't want to talk about the election. But oh, sure. I really don't want to talk about the election, but I have been a nervous wreck for the mm. past. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm no Max Temkin, but I mm-hmm. am a nervous wreck about this, and I have been reloading web pages to this <laughs> oh, effect. Oh, no. No, oh, no. And you, you know me, right? <laughs> Is that a thing that I do? I'm the original guy who removed the tab full of news bookmarks. I invented that. I invented not caring about the news. No, you don't do that. You don't reload the news. And I'm sitting there with the 538 and the polls only and how many paths to victory. And I fucking hate myself. No, don't do it. It just keeps happening. And Mm. then at the same time, I, 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 you know, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go all the way down to the bottom of the gnomes. Here's my problem. I, I can feel that I'm getting better at threes after like yeah. two years, but my yeah. score is not getting any higher. Oh, you're on the plateau. Ugh. You're on the plateau. And one day you're going to have a leap. You're going to be so much. You're going to just leap ahead. You're going to be at, you're going to make 70,000 points one day. I, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen at this point. I mean, I'm at sixes and sevens with threes. Yeah. So, uh, here, here's my tragedy. And I, yeah. for some newer listeners, they don't remember the, the many conversations we've had about the great phone game threes. But I have introduced my daughter to three. Oh, no kidding. And she it's one of the very few video games she's ever seen. And she really is fascinated and uh, very proud of, of her accomplishments. Um, it isn't clear yet whether she 100% understands the difference between scoring 2,500 and 600. She yeah. seems equally proud of both accomplishments. And, I actually uh, would love to talk about this. I would love to talk about a child strategy for, for not only say winning, a child strategy for playing threes because it's very difficult for me to watch. <laughs> My daughter seems to think it's all about how quickly she can move. She says, if I just keep going up, left, up, left, up, left, I get a really good score. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. And yet her scores are almost as good as mine. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good strategy. You she's know, not, you've she's heard- not overthinking it. You, you've heard of the version of playing threes where the goal is to get the, sl- the smallest score? Oh, I, I don't know if that's a thing, but I'm pretty good at that. I got, a 400, is, I got a 400 the other day. It is it is a version of that game. Like, you know, it's competitive with your friends. Like, all right, everybody try and get the lowest score on threes, go. Yeah, like, you know, you don't, you don't know from shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, so uh, let me ask you this. As you were refreshing 538... Did you take did you take some time to obsess over Hurricane Matthew? No, it was just getting in my way. Oh wow. It was just getting in my way with uh with on the Google News. Mhm. 
Yeah. I don't um, – I learned from you a long time ago that following the news is a fool's errand and uh, that any news worth knowing can – can wait until the weekly digest. You really, you feel like you really learned that from me? Yeah. Oh my gosh, John, that makes me feel so good. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say uh, it's 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 a, a great strategy for I mean, living I, I, in the world. I, I want to bask in this for a minute because I mean, thank you. I'm I'm humbled by that because I think of you as a learned man. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. you you dribble it out in dribs and drabs. You don't in like to let people drabs. know. You know what? You, you're like you're like Milton Berle. I'll take out just enough to beat you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, oh, oh. hello, showgirls. Mm. No, and, I, and so, but I think of you as a learned man. But I also know that that we share fish hooks. Yeah, well, but I, but I, I was on the news cycle for many years, and uh, and also making the classic error of thinking that being uh, up up to the minute uh, was uh, was your responsibility as a citizen. Um, but I just I have more of a more of a Pony Express feeling about the news now you know like if it can, if it it doesn't need to get faster it doesn't need to get to you faster than if it came by a stagecoach right i think so you're using that kind of as an analogy well i, I mean here's the, here's the thing you don't need to be there's a certain kind of sport oh god i hate myself there's a certain mm-hmm. kind of sport <sighs> In mm-hmm. watching watching Twitter while the debate is going on, yeah, there is That's because true. it feels like you have to. I made my poor daughter watch a ninety-minute flaming mm-hmm. shit show about mm-hmm. pussy grabbing last night because oh I was goodness. like, "This is important." Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, she, yeah, she was no, playing it's so deeply. Game. It's so deeply unimportant. I I I've gone on record as saying the last debate of any kind I watched was uh was. Lloyd Benson versus uh, Dan Quayle, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was during the sport debate years, where you sit with your friends and and uh, you throw beer on each other as you jump okay. up and go, "Whoa!" Um, and we were there. It's we like it's there. almost like it's like watching basketball with white people. Yeah, yeah. We were there when Lloyd Benson said, "You're no Jack Kennedy," mm. and and it felt like you know watching in real time felt like I had seen the Berlin Wall come down. Uh, because for the rest of my life, I was going to be in situations where someone would say, usually me, would say, you're no Jack Kennedy. And, and Is this watch, your first day? <laughs> Is this your first day? And watch. Oh, my goodness. I should have said that to him. <laughs> you, sir, no Jack Kennedy. But no one gets that <laughs> reference anymore except other olds. And uh, but but. Through this election cycle, I know that nothing is going to turn on a dime. I do not need to know the the ins and outs, the ups and downs. And if you did, I, if you did know the yes, to your point, if you did know the ins and outs, like what would that change in what you do in the world? Doesn't change anything. And full disclosure, I did not watch the uh, or or listen to the pussy grabbing video incident because guess what mm-hmm. i knew exactly what it sounded like oh, and it's, what it, it's, it actually is worse when you listen to it but even so like that i don't need it in my head you know like the worst part about watching the news right now is anytime you um anytime you dig at all into the war in syria you turn a corner uh which you you know you're you're following the war in syria and you feel it's your responsibility to 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 bear witness at least uh, as much as like our government isn't 
really performing its duties. Worldwide, nobody's doing anything because nobody knows what to do except the Russians who feel like what they should do is kill people. They got focus, though. You got you to really <laughs> hand it to them. <laughs> they really, well, they got all these guns and bombs in there. They're not using them enough. I wish we would uh, but, learn from that. We got all these nuclear weapons. Why don't we use them? Why don't we use them? We're just, they're but, just uh, sitting there. We paid for them. They're bought and paid for. You know, that's very provocational, what you just said. Jesus if Christ. If you were running for president, I would. I think that would end up in the newspaper. Would you consider but, that to be disqualifying, John? <laughs> Who knows anymore? Oh, my, my face hurts. But, uh, but if you're following the war in Syria, it doesn't take long for you to, to turn a corner or open a door, and you're staring at pictures of dead babies. It's like there are so many children being killed in that war that – and then you, that's not stuff you get out of your out of your mind. And the question is, am I bearing witness to this in a way that's useful to humanity? Is it my obligation to see a certain number of dead children every day or two in order to perform my duties as a world – as a, a world citizen or uh, – or, not because that's so very damaging. You know, it's it's psychically damaging, and there's I'm sure plenty of arguments that it's much more damaging to be in Syria and have your children killed in a in a smart bomb or a dumb bomb. Yeah. But what what am I contributing? Uh, what am I contributing? And mm. anyway, I'm I'm mostly off of the news treadmill. I I. I lean in periodically. I, you know, I'm like a, I'm like a, uh, like a black lab. I lean my head out the window. I stick my tongue out. I taste the, the particulate. I taste the microscopic urine mm. particulate of 400 raccoons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That my sensitive tongue reads that urine particulate and knows something about the forest and about the. And about the world at large, but then I pull my dumb dog head back in the car, and I and I and I use my tongue to to feel the particulate of the air conditioning, and I weigh I weigh those two universes, and it's like ah, it's like I'm in the I'm in the car for the most part. And then you lick your cell phone for seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. You can learn more about Braintree right now by visiting braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Then why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today? Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost magical. Add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, Braintree will support that too. Braintree gives you a full stack payment solution. It means support for all payment types your customers might want. It's a single integration. It works across all platforms with superior fraud protection, customer service, and fast payouts. Ugh, fast payouts, continuous support. That means you're always going to be ready whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. You got to check this out for yourself. You got to go to braintreepayments.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Braintree for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. <laughs> Lining them up. <laughs> Lining them up and knocking them down. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and the thing is, at the end, at the end of every one of these games, what I want is for... 
for uh, for exactly that bell sound to happen, and then a little piece of kibble comes down into a into a a, a bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. one little clink. Like if 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 a dog didn't have the kibble, he would stop licking the phone. But <laughs> but that's what a dog is meant to do. Do you think people? Do you think people go to Las Vegas to make money? I don't think so. I think in some part of their lizard brain, they think, oh, boy, I've played a lot of video blackjack. If I show up in Las Vegas, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to walk away a million. I'm sure that happens, but I think it's it's just the gambling. People like the gambling. And and the thing is, John, there's scholarship. There, there, there's medium posts about this, about mm-hmm. how they make the games to break your brain a little bit. Yeah. They understand They understand the one-arm bandit uh, aspect of, of your video games. Yeah, they do it. They yep. do it on purpose. You remember we interviewed that horrible man. Remember that man who made that game threes and we talked to him. He, oh, he seemed like a nice guy, but you could tell he was actually a monster. Well, and he was doing that thing where he's like, I don't even know how to ever do it. Well, my scores are like, bit, 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 bit. but I know it. I know it. I know. Yeah. If I pull this down, I know if I, I got two. I got two in the middle. that can't mm-hmm. move. And if mm-hmm. I pull down, I know that fucking red two is going to go in the upper left where it, I not only don't need it and don't want it, but now it creates a problem for me. He made that on purpose. Yeah, well, he knows, and also, he knows where to make the red fall to to, yeah. to make me get a four hundred. Sure, you get shame, you, shame well, on you, Asher. Shame on you. You're up at thirty four thousand points, and then all of a sudden, hey, what a surprise! You get six red tiles in a row. Ugh, I keep thinking I six, got it beat. Six red tiles, and you're like, you know what? I was fine. I was mm-hmm. fine. I had this game under control. I was I was marching to sixty thousand. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Ricky J walks in and he goes, "I'll let you cut the deck." <laughs> like okay no no, no I, I won't even touch the cards i won't even touch the cards you cut the deck and you deal let's play three more hands okay well, the odds have got to be on my side at some point yeah yeah you loan me your nascar yeah uh, car and then uh no tell you what you give me a shitty nascar car you get in yours and if you can beat me in three laps i'll give you ten thousand dollars yeah right yeah. Well, I mean, I wish that that was a, I wish that that was a metaphor for something, but it's not. It's actually a daydream I had yesterday. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You, you sound like you might need to work on your sleep hygiene a little bit. It's people keep saying sleep hygiene, and it, and it's, you know, how some people react to the sound of the word moist. They oh, don't like, yeah, sure. They don't like the word moist. Yeah. I feel like hygiene is in there for me. I don't want to hear the word hygiene. You think it's problematic? I, I just don't like it. Problematic. Hygiene. Problematic hygiene. is my new moist. <laughs> hygiene is something that a that a junior high gym teacher says to you as a way of not saying uh, VD. Yeah, or 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 making you get in the shower when you don't want to. Yeah, but uh, but so yesterday I'm walking. I know this may be a sleep problem, but I'm walking along, and here's the daydream that comes into my head. I at at the at, in late middle age. No, I guess I'm in I guess I'm in central middle age right wow. now. Wow, late middle age. Come on, <laughs> but uh, you won't but, know when it happens. I'm walking along. I feel like I will know. I feel like I'll know because because all of a sudden I'll start peeing like a chronic alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> no, be, I didn't pee myself. I just <laughs> forgot to pull my sweatpants down. I'll be. That's not technically being yourself. I knew I was standing at the toilet. I just overlooked the sweatpants. Turlet is how you start pronouncing it. I'll be. I'll be standing at a urinal in an airport. Stifle. And and I'll be there for forty minutes. That's how I'll know I'm in late middle age. Standing in an airport restroom, just like I'm almost. I'm almost done. I'm older than Carol O'Connor was when he started All in the Family. Oh my God! You want? 
You want to feel old? <laughs> you want to feel it's, only millennials will understand. <laughs> it's the same distance between now and the first Beatles album, and the distance between the first Beatles album and the birth of Ragtime. Oh my God! It's the difference now between the the Burr Hamilton duel, same amount as since Synchronicity came out, and this wow. is the kid from Nevermind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't the kid from Nevermind play uh, play the love interest girl on Wonder Years? No, no. I think I think you're thinking of the the guy in uh, the guy in uh, the play that was in Dead Kennedys. Oh, no, wait, that's courtship of Eddie's father. <laughs> what <am I> thinking <laughs> of? <laughs> anyway, here's my daydream. Okay, I'm walking along, mm-hmm. and this this conversation pops into my head. Okay, suddenly I'm standing at the uh, at a NASCAR track. On an off day. And here is the manager. I'm talking to the manager. I'm assuming there is a manager character in NASCAR. I'm talking to the manager of a of a very successful NASCAR team. I don't know anything about NASCAR. I, I, all of your assumptions out. feel valid at this point. I, I think there's teams. There must be managers. And there's probably off days. This, this, all, this all checks out. Okay, good, good. Because, uh, you know, I'm making this up as I go. And I have no idea why I'm doing this. But I say to this manager, I waltz up. Let's say I get, I get in through the fence because it's an off day. I waltz up. He's there. Maybe he's wiping his hands on a, on a rag. But he's the manager, so he's, you know, he's, got his, he's wearing a collared shirt. And I say, listen, I seem a little bit old, I know, but I'm the world's greatest race car driver. You ever see the movie The Natural? Hmm. That's me. I'm Roy Hobbs of driving NASCAR cars. Hmm. And uh, the manager says, we get guys like you in here all the time. Some guy driving a Ford Taurus on the back roads of West Virginia. You think you're a hot race car driver and you want to come in here and BS. So get out of here, kid. And I say, that's what I figured you'd say. And here's my wager. And then I pull out a stack, uh, two two stacks of $20,000. And I said, you had that with you when you snuck through the fence? Yeah, this is just, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not here. That's, t- that's table stakes in a NASCAR dare. Well, but this is, you know, it's an off day. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not standing, at, uh, I'm not standing here like, I'm certainly, I'm not in a boiler suit with my name over the pocket. But I'm also, you know, I'm not in a three-piece suit either. But mm-hmm. I look like, you know, I came, I came correct, right? Maybe you see a little flash of Steve McQueen Rolex, mm. but you're feeling like this is this is this is a hustle. He sees guys like this every day that think they haven't wrecked yet, and therefore they're Jackie Stewart. You come along, you slip in through the fence because it's an off day. You pull out forty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, let's say two, 40, st- two stacks, two, two stacks of twenty twenty grand each. He's not made of stone. Mm, no, he's a you know he. However much he's getting paid, how much do you have to be paid uh, to not to not blink your eyes at forty thousand in cash? Are you single or divorced? I'm going to assume if you're a NASCAR manager, you've been divorced once. Okay. Uh, unclear whether you've married again or You would whether- need to be making 6 to $13 million a year to turn down that kind of money. 40 grand. But he's, you know, he, he doesn't 40, know 40 grand cash. For. He doesn't know what it's for. I haven't bribed this is, him. This is a simple plan money. This is, this is money in a duffel that's in a tree. But it's, you know, it's 40 grand. You can hold that in your hand. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just waving it. And I say, here's the wager. If this is so easy, uh, it's an easy bet. Well, why don't we? Uh, why don't we uh, talk a little turkey? Yeah, why don't we double it? 
So I say, get your youngest, hottest maverick driver out here. At which point in the daydream, who saunters into the frame, but young maverick driver with mm. a sneer, with a, with a hateful sneer. Is he cocky, John? He's so cocky. <sighs> he's a thin, thin little guy. And he's, uh, he's full of like uh, piss and vinegar. Mm. And he walks over and says, what's going on, boss? And uh, the, the manager goes, shush, shush, shush. Let the guy finish. And I say, get your cocky driver over here. He can take his car. You loan me whatever other car you got lying around. It doesn't even have to be that hot. Whatever you got. This one you're working on right here. Now, if your kid can beat me in one lap, so we go out one lap, he's ahead of me, I quit. I quit the game forever. And I give him 10 grand and I give you 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm in, in the lead at one lap, then I'll give the kid a second lap to catch me. Wow. Huh? Is this a good wager? This is. So. How do you turn a bet like that down? Right? If I'm ahead at the end of the second lap. No, no, wait. If he beats me at the second lap. I give him 20 grand and you 20 grand. But if I'm ahead, I'll give the kid a third lap to catch me. But if at the end of the third lap, I'm ahead, neither of you get anything and you let me drive for you in the next major NASCAR race. Oh, as Jiminy. You, as your driver. Yes. Of the hot car. You're not even asking for the pink slip. Mm-mm. You're just saying. You're just saying. Give me the chance. Saying, give me a chance, Mister. This is how I'm going to prove it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have got nothing, thing, got nothing to lose. Right. This, you got nothing to lose. That's right. Said maybe this two hundred thousand dollar car gets wrecked. Right. Okay. So if I wreck the car mm-hmm. in the first lap, <laughs> then you guys. <laughs> What's somebody get, writing all this down? <laughs> you guys each get ten grand. What if he's leading? I, what if he's leading when you wreck the car? Does that change it? Uh, if I wreck the car, no matter which place I'm in, okay. no matter whether I'm first or second, I, I'm out. Okay. Right? I, I'm not going to like say, let's do over. <laughs> Give me a different car. <laughs> I didn't. I was ahead. Give me a different car. Let me do this again. All right. Bad on me. Bring another no. car around. <laughs> so it's not, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a risk free wager for him. No. He's risking this, but he also stands to make. You're not playing for pogs. I mean, this is serious shit. Yeah, this he is about this is me. about your new career, and you're going to prove it. And you know what? I can already tell by the end of this, you guys are going to be buddies solving crimes in a van. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I right? I, I, I see how this turns out. He's going to admire my moxie, and he's going to end up probably firing the cocky kid. Yeah. He's going to give the cocky kid his walking papers because a guy that came along that understands him a little bit better, even mm-hmm. you know, like a fellow American, knows how to drive this goddamn race car. Mm-hmm. Now this. Uh, daydream proceeds from the uh, the natural daydream, the daydream of being the natural, uh, which I have all the time, which is to, to to walk out onto the baseball field and say, have your best pitcher throw 10 pitches at me. If I don't knock every one of them out of the park, then I'll walk out of here with my tail between my legs. If I do, then you'll make me designated hitter for the for the Mariners. Whatever. Okay. The, never- the, the American League team? I don't remember. Okay. They're uh, they're the Seattle team. They're named after people that go to sea. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they probably got a designated hitter, sure. Oh, yeah, you got to have a designated hitter. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, we do. We have designated. Do we? I yeah. don't know. You, could, you know, you could, you could just you could be a pinch hitter, you could be a power mm-hmm. hitter, you could be somebody mm-hmm. with slugging percentage. The point is, put John behind the fucking wheel. Let mm-hmm. him show you what he's got. Let me show you what you, what I can do. That, that that kid doesn't know from Moxie. Well, and the thing is, if the kid is playing the game right, right, he's going to let me lead him at the first lap because I just promised him double money at the second lap. Oh, it's a double reverse hustle. That's how a hustle works. Right? right? So he's yeah. like, I got this. I got this. I'm going to let him. And the manager might even be colluding with him like, hey, kid, let him just nose you at the end of the first lap and then dust him. And we'll both walk out of here with 20 grand each. Like his, this guy thinks he, he's watched some bootlegger movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just, for the sake of argument, say he's not going to spin out and kill himself. This seems like a, this seems like a good 15 minutes we're going to spend here. Well, uh, and then I came home and I realized that that had, that had taken up an hour of my day. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got seven hours invested, seven and a half hours invested in, in, uh, lining up gems. Yeah. I got an hour of the day, uh, like Becoming a great NASCAR driver, but you know, don't don't feel bad about that. You need to work out those rules. Mm. I mean, for the sake of the bet and the sake of the story, you want to make sure those 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 rules really work. I, I would not just go slip through the fence on an off day without knowing what the rules are going to be. Because sure, you you're going to get you got to get the hook in. Mm-hmm. You got it. That's exactly right. You got to set it up, get the hook. Because the manager's like, ah, I see a million of you guys. How did you get through the fence? Yeah, and I'm going to say, well, I got a certain, I have a certain carriage, where. When I walk through a, a gap in the fence and the, the young person who's charged with keeping people out mm-hmm. looks over, I look like uh, there's just something about me that, that mm, 60% of the time those uh, young people who are working in the security capacity figure I belong yeah. there, right? And that's what's called privilege. Yeah. I've, seen, here it. I've I, seen it. You're, you're good at that. You, you walk into it. Wherever you go, you walk in like you own the place. That's right. And, and particularly walking into a NASCAR uh, on an off day. Especially on an off day. Uh, I'm going to waltz in there and the, the, the young security guard is going to be like, eh, he seems like, mm, don't, you know, because within NASCAR, I'm sure there are some characters that if you say, excuse me, sir, can I see some ID? You're going to get a, you know, yeah, you're going to, you're in a mouthful of fingers. Give me your badge. Right. <laughs> right. You know who I am? I'm Lee Unser Jr. <laughs> I'm, I'm Max NASCAR. It's named after me. Am I, that my grandpa invented cars. Yeah, I'm the I'm st- I'm the last bootlegger. I'm still running shine. I don't sneak through the I was, fence. I built I built the fence. Yeah, that's right. I was running shine while you were still waxing your toenails. That's right. We were running molasses out of Canada. Huh? Huh? Hmm? Yes. Did I ever tell you about ever tell you about the fact that <laughs> I like it when you don't sleep. <laughs> ever tell you about the fact during Prohibition, my great uncle Al. Alfred Ruffner Rochester took my dad to Canada. So my dad was born in 21, right? So he took my dad to Canada as a little, as a boy and filled his knickers with whiskey. <laughs> like, like, uh, like flasks, like pints. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, with a knicker work, a knicker. Yeah. I know a knicker. It's, it's, yeah, like, a got- child, it's like a child jodper. Yeah, you got a tall sock, mm-hmm. and then a, then the knicker starts underneath the knee, mm-hmm. and then it's a big baggy pant. And Uncle Al filled Dad's <laughs> knickers with whiskey bottles, and I think they were wrapped in rags so they didn't clink. Smart. And then he walked him back over the border here at the Peace Arch, and uh, Dad told that told that story his whole life. 
He was, a, well, he was a, your dad was a whiskey mule. He was a little bit of a he was a bootlegger even before he could uh, even before he could play the harmonica. <laughs> so did he take the bet? Who? The, the oh, manager. the NASCAR guy? Hell yes, he did. Yeah. How do you turn that bet down? That's a lot you know, of money, John. The thing is, I you know the thing is maybe the manager, maybe the team that I approached was a little bit of an underdog team, right? They've got this cocky driver, but they just can't get it dialed in. So this guy's willing to take a risk. I'm not. I'm not going up to the Skull Bandit car. No. I'm going up to the car. I'm not going up to the one that's uh, sponsored by Castor Oil. Oh, this is. <clears throat> it's going to be more like uh, like Slice or or Scott Brand toilet wipes. It's going to be a lesser brand. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going up to the car, and there's the the, the hood of their car is like wet wipes. <laughs> I'm saying to the manager, <laughs> they're, look, they're sponsored by Safe Safeway and Walgreens generic brands. <laughs> Taco Bell KFC. Mm. No, that's a big. I'm that's, sure that's, that, that's that, a big brand. Yeah, they run a big team. But no, that. So I go up to Wet Wipes guy, and I'm like, "You want to go to the show? <laughs> like, you've been in this game a long time too. Like, you're you're Kevin Costner here, right? And, you, and I'm telling you, you're you're sitting here trying to get the trying to get the meat to th- throw a heater. <clears throat> that's right. You're t- you're Tim Robbins. Wait, no, wait. The kid is no. Tim Robbins. Yeah, the kid is Tim Robbins. I'm the Costner of this story. Oh, I see. They just don't know. You're the unknown Costner. Yeah. You're and just I, the guy who know, snuck in through the fence on an off day. Snuck in through the fence. There's a Susan Sarandon with some heart-shaped sunglasses out in the outfield. Yeah. Trying to score the game. Scoring the game. Yep. Scoring the NASCAR. And, uh, <laughs> she's scoring the NASCAR. How many left turns did they make? Yep. A lot. Four again. Um. And and so this guy's got he, you know he's got some skin in the game right this may be his last year if he doesn't if he doesn't win a NASCAR race he's going to lose the team right he's going to lose the team because the because the unscrupulous owners are counting on him losing <laughs> right right so oh so so maybe it's like the producers right maybe they're looking for this thing to uh, as they say crash and burn the only way they're going to make their money back the only way they're going to avoid fraud. Is uh is 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 if the uh, the 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 toilet the toilet wipes team goes uh, tits up? Yeah, they got <clears throat> they got the wet wipes sponsorship as a form of uh, public shaming of this old, you know, like downtrodden brown shoe wearing cigar uh, chomp and manager. That's the manager. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does he actually turn out to have a heart of gold? Is am I, am I jumping ahead too far? What I'm assuming is that he was partnered with this callow young driver because the callow young driver was forced upon him somehow. Oh, Either he's maybe the, somebody uh, – I might just be stealing the plot of the Pixar movie Cars. But I think maybe at some point uh, there was there was a death or a danger. That guy could have prevented it. I see. But now yeah, everything's on the line. The Scott's Toilet White Pipes people are on the horn. You know, we got he's, there's suit. a shadow over him. There's a shadow over him. And I'm the Cinderella story that's going to come and redeem all of the past failures, his and mine. Hmm. Tears in his eyes, I guess. So hmm. the, the, <clears throat> the problem is uh, the other day on Twitter, I asked a question. I yeah. said, you know, I just sent it out there to the, uh, to the legions. And I said, do you live primarily in the real world or do you live primarily in your imagination? And at so first I, I bet, was. I bet I know how people answered. Well, no, that's the thing. I thought I would too, but the initial uh, the initial answers had a surprising number of people that were like the real world. Like, there's a reason. Yeah, th- there's a reason. It's the real world. That's what they want you to think. I live in. I'm living in the real world. And then there were some that I that I found very curious, which was I try to live in the real world. Like living in my imagination has not benefited me. I I work to stay in the world. 
and I was like, "Huh, isn't that interesting?" Like, I'm I'm impressed by this uh, by this because there, of course, there were people that were like imagination, and most of the people that live in their imagination just one word answers, right? Imagination, 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 because they're assuming I'm going to use my imagination to know what the hell they're doing in their imaginative life, mm-hmm. or they don't want it revealed. But uh, I, I had all these real world people. I was like, yes, wow. I didn't, re- I didn't expect it, right? Uh, but then later on, I think the imagination people started to wake up later in the day. Yeah, typical. Right? In the late afternoon, they were like, me, 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 me. me. And it ended up being, I think, the imaginations won it. But which, which would you say? Imagination. And I and I'm not I, sure. I, I would like to say that I live in the real world, but no, I, I I I the vast amount of information processing I do is about nothing in particular. <laughs> I said to somebody the other day uh, who was because somebody in the real world came up to me at a cocktail party and said, I, "I've heard your program," mm. and I said, "Hmm, does that mean you've listened to only one episode?" And then they were abashed, and they said, "Well, I've only just discovered it, and I've started listening." to it and i said oh and then uh this person's spouse came over and she did not listen to the program and she said tell me about this program Mm. and i'm like well let me put it this way i think that you have to be very smart to appreciate what my co-host says you have to be very smart to follow what he is saying whereas with me you do not have to be smart to follow what i'm saying Hmm. you just have to keep an open mind and she said, huh, that's an interesting description of a relationship. And I said, that's all I'm going to say. I'm, now I'm going to go have my fourth cupcake at this party. Just, just a little, little, bit, of, little bit of context. What, what, what to listen for? Hmm. Yeah, right? right. That's right. When people talk about stuff, yeah, but it's always like, well, what, what, what's it about? What's it about? Not with this show, with everything. Everybody's like, what's it about? I'm like, you know what? I care fuck all about the topic of almost anything, and I'm much more interested in the people that are doing it. So how do you mm. describe, oh, here, step one, go get interested in other people. They're, they're kind of hard to like. Now go <laughs> listen to 219 episodes. You really got to start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it should, should only take you like a year or two to decide if you like it and you know there's ones there's ones you're gonna hate so that, that's a good thing i said i said you really you really got to start at the start mm-hmm. you really gotta you really gotta catch them all and uh and no what i always say to somebody who's interested in uh in, in who is pretending to be interested in the podcast at a cocktail party is you really have to listen to at least two episodes pick them at random you may get you may come up snake eyes you may pick two episodes that both drive you bananas, but really there's something in it for everyone. And, uh, yeah, most people, uh, most people that I meet at cocktail parties are, are, you know, they're polite. How are the cupcakes? Oh. Phenomenal. Oh, I love a so cupcake. What was crazy about the cupcakes and do not let the, uh, the, the co-host of our other programs, you know, the one I'm talking about, mm-hmm. hear me say this, mm-hmm. but the, uh, hostess, of the party said, I made the frosting with marshmallow fluff. And I was immediately repulsed, right? Because I now have a, a psychological block about marshmallow. It'd fluff. be like somebody like saying, I made this with blood plasma. Yeah, exactly. Go, well, that's like, that's oh. interesting. I totally don't want to eat that. <laughs> yeah. Do you like, uh, do you like black pudding? Mm. Well, that's what I made the frosting out of. And so <clears throat> they were small 
cupcakes, and I said, "I'll get, I'll just out of politeness, I'll eat this cupcake. I'll make the sacrifice." You don't want to hurt the hostess's feelings at a place like that, right? It's a, it's a, it's a birthday party. Yeah, it's unseemly. I ate uh, one, and you know the problem with most cakes is the frosting, the quality of the frosting. Most most cakes are the same. It's the frosting that's good or bad. And if you buy a cake at the grocery store, uh, the the frosting is made out of like five pound bag of government sugar and like and, palm oil. Yeah, you, right. It's like you you take the first bite and then you're going like this. <laughs> yeah, right. Bacon fat and a bag of sugar. But this marshmallow fluff frosting was exactly the frosting of yore. The, oh, the best frosting that you could have asked for. Butter, butter, butter. Me. Butter, butter, butter. Yeah. And there was none of that like, oh, this one's made with sour cream. No, thank you. Uh-uh. This one's made with yogurt. No, thank you. This one, blah. No. I don't want butter. I don't, I don't, want, uh, I don't want sour butter in it. I don't want sage in it. Like, oh, go screw dear. yourselves, modern people. Stop being clever with food. Blech. Stop it. So I ate four of these cupcakes. And it was all because the because it, the birthday party was for a child and the child was four, I was restrained from stealing more than four cupcakes, like wrapping them in a towel and taking them out to the car. Oh. Uh but I didn't but I it was I had to show quite a measure of restraint. Um because they were great and they, they, they made me, they, they, they somewhat mitigated the shame I felt at standing at a child's birthday party and talking about my own podcast to people I'd never met before. Boy, I really don't like doing that. <laughs> and you know, they started it. I've listened to your podcast. Well, I mean, and you know, the man, the man who said it, it turned out his job, Merlin, his professional job is to score baseball teams, score baseball games. Oh, he's Susan Sarandon. He said, but except I, he wasn't wearing heart-shaped sunglasses or a sundress. But he's writing down the K's and the threes, the twos, and the what's not. Yeah, that's, he's, that's sitting what he up does. In, he's sitting up in the booth, and he's like, you know, we decide, we make decisions. I mean, the ump, the ump decides a lot of things, but we make decisions how certain things are going to get scored, and it goes into the historical record, and and uh, people. People that are vying for the batting championship have to, uh, you know, have to deal with our the results that that as as we see them. We are scoring the game for posterity. It's a game of numbers, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He said as much, and I was thrilled to meet someone who was. I mean, this was an inside baseball conversation. Wow. He's inside baseball. I'm. I I love meeting people who do things that I don't and, and do odd things. And I have so many questions because mm-hmm. I'm betting there's a lot of politics in that. You talk about inside baseball. I mean, they're, they're deciding how something, if I'm understanding what you're saying, it's deciding like what goes on the congressional record as regards baseball. And yeah. like, I bet there's some pretty tough, especially toward the end of the season. I bet that's a pretty politically charged job. Well, it turns out all of it is. I watched a baseball game the other day. From behind home plate, because I had a fancy friend who had fancy behind home plate tickets, where you're not only watching the baseball game, but if you want, you can have like baby back ribs and chocolate cake brought to you. Oh my goodness. You know, it's like fancy people stuff. And I'm watching the game and I'm with I'm with true baseball aficionados. And there and and at one point, so we're right behind the plate, so we have this unique view. And my friend uh, leans over and he says, <clears throat> The ump's not having it. And I say, what do you mean the ump's not having it? And uh, 
and he says, the pitcher's pitching inside, and the ump uh, isn't calling it strikes because the ump's the ump is is uh, sending sending the message to the pitcher that he wants to see a baseball game. And I said, the ump can send a message to the pitcher saying he wants to see a baseball game. Wow. And he was like, yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes throwing inside, trying to you know trying to brush the batter back, like yeah, sure, that's part of the baseball game, but you can't just sit there and do it all day. The ump's not gonna the ump's gonna start not calling him strikes. Because he wants to see that pitcher put it over the plate. And I was like, the ump is that in, involved in the game? Like, whoa. And then at a certain point, the opposing pitcher beamed our guy. Oh, a little bit chin music. Uh-huh. And my friends were like, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. They said, watch. In the next inning, we're going to bean their guy. Yeah. And I said, what, we bean a guy just because they beaned a guy? Quid oh, yeah. pro quo, Clarice. That's right. Don't let them get away being a guy. That you got to bean their guy, and then you empty the benches. I've heard them Everybody say that. Is, I've, heard, I've heard it said by baseball players. I, I did watch a documentary about the history of the fastball, and I believe that is considered a strategic thing to do, not simply an emotional, irrational thing to do. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you gotta, you got to do it, do it on behalf of your team. And also, my friends were saying, it's going to happen here. They were looking at the lineup, and they were like, that guy's going to get beamed. And then that guy stood up to the plate, and I said, you're telling me he knows he's about to get beamed? And they said, yeah. Mm. And then something went awry. <clears throat> he was in the, he was in the, the box, the warm-up box. The on-deck circle. He was on the, in the on-deck circle swinging his bat with, a, with like a, a heavy donut on it. And then the guy right in front of him, the one who wasn't going to get beamed, he clocked the ball somewhere, and now the <clears throat> now the Mariners no longer had the option of because uh, that would have put the guy on second. Yeah, right. So they had to they had to revise their plan, and by the end of the game, they hadn't beamed this guy. They hadn't beamed anybody, and it felt like <clears throat> that was something in the that was something in the to do list that might have interesting. And so if you season. can't if you can't if you can't beam back a guy by the end of the game, does it all resets? You can't you can't like hold a grudge. You can't say, well, next time we're in Pittsburgh, you're going to get hit in the head. Well, I know that the the adage is what you there's no quibbling in baseball or there's no quidditch that, in baseball. Yeah, there's no quidditch in baseball. That was Yogi Berra. Right. There's no quidditch in baseball, but I don't I don't remember ever reading a thing that said there are no grudges in baseball. Oh, I see. I think baseball is full of. I think it's half made of grudges. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like you, you can't have the uh, wall without the the mortar and the brick. Exactly. Wasn't it's there spackled, something? It's, it's, it's spackled with grudges. Something about the the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have some hot rod hitter who's a little bit long in the tooth, mm. but he's putting the balls over the fence. And there was something when a guy from the Texas Rangers came and punched him in the nose about something that happened the year before. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, on the field, like you gotta, you gotta have something going on to get punched on the field. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about baseball. I don't. I couldn't tell you what the infla, infield fly rule was. I don't even know what the outfield fly rule is. But this guy does. He's scoring the freaking game. For those of you listening who don't know what that means, it means they sit with a pencil and a piece of paper, and everything that happens on the baseball field, they write it down and adjudicate in the moment. It's like graphical notation. Well, some of them yeah. are easy. Like you can say like a K is a strikeout. And like if it's a if it's a ball that somebody catches, you throw somebody out at first. Like every player on the team has a number, right? One mm-hmm. is a pitcher, two is a catcher, three is first base, etc. I used to do it. It was the only way I could find baseball interesting was to keep scoring. Wait a minute. You scored baseball games? I mean, just for fun, yeah. I, I, I missed out on so much as an American kid. Really? Part, 
partly by living in Alaska and, and partly by not reading superhero comics and partly by not understanding sports. Yeah. The three things. It was a, it was a trifecta. Living in Alaska puts you in a certain kind of daylight. Not reading superhero comics makes you feel, I guess, uh, not understand the full scope of human possibility, including mutants. But also you, you, you – um, it sounds like you – I don't even know how to describe this without sounding like I'm putting a value statement on it. But mm. it sounds like you did not have a lot of like close friends. Right, then and now. Mm. Um, and yeah, when, I don't either. Right. <laughs> when you're 12 years old, like reading Joseph Conrad doesn't make you other friends very, very quickly. Uh, you should be reading superhero comics. And also sports. I would stand and watch the sports or, I, you know, you wouldn't watch the sports. I would watch the kids watch the sports and just feel like, I've, I've, I, I mean, I, I loved, I loved baseball as a kid. But like as I stand here today, and I know this is like a either a hateable or fashionable thing to say, but I just don't get it. I mean, I kind of get it. I get it in the most intellectual, abstract way. But it's completely baffling to me how many of my friends are super into sports. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be a dick. I mean, yeah. I, I can watch a baseball game. Like if, if the, our sports team is in the playoffs or whatever, we'll watch and it's fun. But like it's, it's, and I, I really, I, I honestly don't mean this as like a criticism. I, it's just honestly baffling to me. Make, in the same way, maybe that same, some people will go, how can you be that into music? Or how could you be that uh-huh. into politics mm-hmm. or that into crafting for that matter? But like the, the genuine over – I get the crafting thing. Yeah. Yeah, we should come back to like string art owls, right? Well, the thing about felt is it feels so nice. It is now. It's so soft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the genuine, obviously very clear emotional tumult mm. that I see in my friends who follow baseball. When I was getting the free baby back ribs and chocolate cake brought to me, I understood why you would love baseball. Oh, I was—I wasn't going to say anything. And then when I realized that the ump was like, "Nope, that you know, some umps might call that a strike. I might have called that a strike at a different point in the game. But right now, I'd like to see some baseball, sir." He wasn't having it. Yeah, and you know, and the uh, and the base the baseball uh, pitcher and the baseball catcher are kind of looking up at him like, seriously. But they're looking at each other and they're like, "Well, he wants to see some baseball, so let's give him some baseball." Put that put that next ball right over the middle. So I had no idea all that was going on because I don't think that that's going on in soccer. But maybe, maybe the refs out there on the field are are that involved in the game, like they're determining the. I guess basketball refs are all the time determining the fate of the game. That's another uh, documentary I watched about basketball. a uh, about a basketball referee who was betting on games that he was adjudicating it was very <laughs> very interesting <laughs> yeah Ugh. yeah sneakerama a sports documentary can be a good documentary there's a lot of very good sports documentaries agreed. on the netflix i don't know if you ever got agreed. another password for netflix but there's a lot of very good documentaries on there agreed that whole 30 for 30 uh fantastic thing? there's like They're four amazing. of those that are amongst the best documentaries i've ever seen Yep, yep. I I enjoy them very much. Even the not one on the Chicago Bears was really good. Like the '85 Chicago Bears was like surprisingly engrossing to me. Well, are the Mannings, the Eli Manning and the Peyton Manning and I the other Mannings? I think learned about the Manningses. The Manningses are uh, they're a sports dynasty. They all seem like very nice people. And uh, who can fault a Manning? I guess is the uh, that's right on their family crest. Yeah. Who can, who can fault a Manning? 
but let me ask you, let me ask you. Yeah. This may be another question to put to the put to Twitter. Okay. Do okay. you have a lot of close friends? Right. Do you, I mean do you have for, because for the last several months I've been I've my life has been in a certain amount of embroilment. Mm-hmm. I've I've been, <laughs> you know, I've been in the process of that one very short sentence I saw you walk through such a fucking hedge maze. When you are embroiled, it is sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes you say, whew, boy, today was a rough go. Just, just. Because the waters were tumultuous. Yep. Right? It's not, the boat is sound, the wind yeah. is in my sails, but the, wa- you know, there were seven foot waves, let's call them. There were swells out on the sea. I rounded Nia Bay out of the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And is I this realized, a December song, John? <laughs> I realized the sea was there to kill me. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and so I've said on, on many occasions in the last several months, boy, I would just like someone to talk to. And I pulled up my address book, which has literally thousands of names in it because I'm a social person. I know a lot of people. And I started scrolling and I came to a name and I said, I could probably talk to that person. But then I kind of played the conversation out a little bit and I was like, well, they're, they're probably going to start. It's going to start feeling like they're busy. Right. When, when you're, when you're like, Hey, you got a second to talk? And they're like, yeah, sure. What do you got? And then you say, well, yeah, I was, I'm on the high seas right now. And then you start to feel like they are busier than they let on at first. Like, you know, actually I just had a minute and there's a pot on the stove and tonight's the night I wash my hair. So yeah. I'm scrolling down and I'm like, I'm playing this conversation out and I I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And I'm like, wow, not a single person of all my good friends can I just uh, unburden myself in uh, of these matters? And I know that other people, even people very close to me, have no trouble sharing their whole kit and caboodle yeah. with not just one, but a whole handful of friends, maybe half a dozen to a dozen friends. Man, it seems it's like a normal thing. Yeah. Like, you, would just, oh, you would just call and unburden yourself. Yeah. I've got a really bad toothache. And, uh, you know, and something, I think a bug crawled inside my penis Mm -hmm. and I just needed to talk to somebody. Absolutely. And, you know, if I uh, had a bug in my penis, I would, I'd be reticent to bring that up even to a good pal, uh, because it's not a, it's not a thing that they, that I would probably share with them and they would just be in that like tut, tut, cluck, cluck posture. Everything's going to be fine. So I feel like I spare them and myself the uncomfortableness of it. But, but I think what ultimately that means is I don't know. I do not have um, what a, a, a whole bunch of friends that I would, that I would think of as and, – and, and it ends up being like is it, the, is it the friends that I don't have or is it within myself a, um, an, an incapacity? I think that is a – a very wise and salient question. It's not that you don't have the friends. It's like, do you have the kinds of relationships where that's the kind of thing you feel okay about doing? Um, you feel uh, capable of doing, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that part of it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I have lots of people who, like, I'm sure I could call and say, like, you know, especially you could call and say, like, I need help with a problem. Right. Like, you could say, like, I can't figure out how to fix my internet. And you could call a friend for that kind of thing. Sure. I got a lot of friends for that. Mm-hmm. But no, I think a lot of it is inside of us and our own expectations of, like, what's, what's okay to do. And it's, yeah, no, not nearly as, not nearly as much as I did, I would, I will say in college. After college, there was a pretty steep drop off in the number of, uh, good acquaintances to friends to close friends that I had. Mm-hmm. College, unusual- college was peak friendship for me, I think. For me, it was high school. Mm-hmm. By the time I got to college, I was I was already surprised my freshman year in college at how my friends in college were like pals, but not. I, but I wasn't clove and cloved to them, mm-hmm. cleaved, mm-hmm. and. Um, and my high school friends and I were very competitive with, with each other. And so that closeness was also uh, fraught with a lot of competition and a lot of like uh, like dread, right? Because you, your friends were the ones that knew your your darkest secrets and they were the ones that were also trying to like kick you in the knee. Um, and that was the way I – that was high school for me and it felt very – we felt we were very close. We were a tight-knit group who was trying to destroy itself and each other all the time and in, i mean that, and that was, co- that's, that's a pretty normal thing yeah and in college it was just like hey let's go get some beer and you know do some stuff i was like oh huh i didn't i didn't realize that 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 experience wasn't going to be reduplicated in everything i did the rest of my life that that neither I think- did i i <laughs> took so much for granted on several fronts around that particular issue around friendship right well just the just the yeah, just the relative ease, especially with the maybe with the school that I went to, the fact that it was small. But I mean, just the fact that like you are, first of all, in proximity to many, many peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the sorting hat has made it so that you're around peers who are probably kind of equivalent to you in a lot of ways, maybe mm-hmm. even more so than high school. Like you could be from the same neighborhood in high school. But I don't I don't know. There's a funny combination of like people who are like you and people who are not like you. And you have to see them. You have yeah. to go to the cafeteria. You have to go to class. You have to have a roommate in most cases. Yeah. And all of those things kind of make it non-optional to just sit in your room with your flight suit. You've got to go out and you've got to be around. And then in my case, and this could be true lots of places, but I mean, I can't imagine going to someplace like FSU. Like you've got to join organizations because otherwise, how do you meet? The more people there are, the less chance it is you'll make a friend. Whereas in my school, like there were people that I was friends with orientation week that, you know, I became like terrific friends with. And then you grow with that. And, uh, but there's no, nobody tells you how much that just goes away. And now (laughs) you're playing softball with people from work and you say what what has my life become i don't even like wings that much well that's not true i do like wings wings but no, are that's good, the but... thing is now now it's now you've you've gone it's gone from uh, what say by the bell to uh you know uh uh the office or whatever like you're on a different show now you're yeah on, yeah you're, it ain't no mary tyler Moore. well and uh and i have the additional problem of wanting to talk about my feelings which i know it right no like no, Silence. It's, it's, oh no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm. Just, oh, I know. Yeah, I know. But, but that, but I, but that was like an illustrative silence. Not that you don't also like talking about your feelings. I like, like talking about. I like talking about ideas, and I like, I like talking about things that 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 we're, we're all equally or somewhat equally excited to talk about something that's novel and different. But most of the stuff that makes for easy social intercourse is utterly insufferable to me. Yeah, <clears throat> and. And very little of it because I guess I I like talking about my 
feelings because I'm looking for patterns and I want to, mm-hmm. I want to solve for X and I want to, and I feel like feelings are, um, well, as, as, uh, my good friend, Mike Squires used to say, John, feelings are real. Feelings are real. And feelings are real. And so I'm using feelings as a way of, of sorting. And, uh, but in talking about your feelings, you're talking about things that are embarrassing almost immediately, right? Like, boy, hey. It's, it, it feels unseemly uh, yeah. to a lot of men yeah. to, to talk about something. I don't want to say something real, but that's kind of what I mean. To talk about something yeah. real. Talk about something that you have not already composed a complete and widely acceptable unified field theory about. Yeah, sure. And it happens all the time where I'm like, oh, boy, I feel – I like because I want to talk about feelings about my relationships with other guys. Like, hey, I was feeling kind of a little bit like left out of that the other day and I sort of expected a phone call and didn't get it. So I'm a little bit – my nose is a little out of joint and just thought I should tell you. Do you like it and, when people talk about that with you? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, wow. Like if okay. somebody brings you not, – not necessarily like an angry thing, but maybe like a clarification thing. Do you like when people bring you some things to sort of redress and mull over? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it happens so rarely because it is embarrassing. And also it requires that you be processing your own feelings in real time so that you know, oh, you know, like I have a problem here. It's mostly my problem. It's also, hard it's, a- to, it's also hard to talk. It's one of those things where, like, there's so many things I wish we could talk about without all the emotional valence, and nothing has more emotional valence than talking about feelings. So yeah. it's, it's very, very difficult to talk about feelings as a thing without it becoming, uh, this sounds really obvious, but I think it's not. It's, it, you, can, you can talk about all, all kinds of things in, in, kind of intellectually, but it's difficult to talk about your feelings without talking about your feelings. Yes, <laughs> you right. can't talk about it as a thing without injecting this understandably irrational uh, blind spot that you have in your heart. And defensiveness is the immediate reaction on, for most people. Right. I, you know, hey, I wanted to talk to you about this. I feel bad. Well, that's not my problem. And it's like, oh, I wasn't saying it was your problem. I was saying it was my problem, but it involves you. And I'm, well, and I'm, and, and I'm not asking you know, for a solution. I'm, I'm, not not, asking, I'm just, you know, I feel like the solution is probably in me telling you it. And then you telling me that that's either uh, like reasonable or unreasonable. And I was talking it out. But but in a, in so many cases, the reaction is. From people of all stripes, like, whoa, 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 why are you coming to me with this? Like, what do you want from me? And that, and so it's only in your very most intimate relationships where you're forced to learn to talk about your feelings. And even that is, is super difficult. Mm -hmm. But like, I have so many guy friends from long, long, long times. And I'll say, oh God, here's my feelings and my other feelings and my feelings. And they listen politely. And then, you know, there's sort of that moment where you like, okay, tag, now you reciprocate. And they go, well, everything's probably going to turn out okay. Hey, did you ever notice that some, you know, some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls' mothers? Right. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I thought, you know, like I just gave you like all this interesting grist. And they're like, yep. Uh, but I don't run a mill. So <laughs> you just gave me a big bag of grist and I don't know what to do with it. It's going no in the, yeah, it's going in the barn, I guess. I have nowhere to put, I have nowhere to put this grist. And also I think grist is not what you want in the mill. Yeah. Oh, well you're breaking my mill. You know, it's, I, <laughs> I feel like my non-existent mill <laughs> when winter comes, I might use this grist in the driveway. Winter's coming. You know, winter is coming. Yeah. Like, uh, 
So, so, so that always makes me feel ultimately like not that my friends are insufficient because it's almost universal among my friends, but it makes me feel like I'm, I'm asking too much or I want something unreasonable. And that kind of piles back on me. Like, not only do I have these feelings, not only do I want to express these feelings to my people and have them reciprocate, uh, but that is an unreasonable desire which again puts me in Dutch with the world. So then I'm sitting and I'm like, what is there else to do but suck your thumb? I mean, I suppose I could write a novel. It seems like people write novels for that reason, maybe. Yeah, but you're you're looking for something fairly specific. Um I don't want to make this about gender, but I think this has something to do with gender and something to do with the time and the era. Um, but you're, you're looking for something that would have fit much more comfortably into, I'm going to say the early to mid seventies when a time well, when it was, it was just kind of expected that you would talk a lot about lots of different kinds of things, things that could be awkward. I watched a really good, um, documentary, first part of a documentary about, um, basically the, the birth of the starting in the fifties anyway, of the, of the women's various women's movements. And it was very interesting about all the different offshoots and the groups and, you know, who felt left out where. And, but there's just this constant thread of like talking about our life, talking about our life, the, you know, lived experience. Um, and I, I think that was something that was considered very appropriate and important at a certain time in a way that it's not right now. Well, I always felt that, that I think that you're absolutely right, that there is something like gender encoded in it. I always felt like the men of the seventies who were talking about their feelings were doing it as a form of warfare. Well, that um, certainly is borne out by this documentary. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of, it's inherent in it. You see the hippie dads who are like, well, let's sit and talk about our feelings. And what they mean is fuck you. But you know, my, is I'm totally going to get laid for this, right? I'm going to get laid or I'm going to, I'm going to come out the other side and we'll be proved right. But like all, traditionally all of my closest friends have been women. And back before um, <clears throat> gender normative was a term, uh, back when you know times were less were, were were more primitive, I used to say that I felt like I had a, a female mind, that I, you know, that my best friends were all women, and I could, you know, and I, I was more comfortable thinking in thinking in what I at the time would have called like a a, a, a womanly way about things. I was processing things socially. I was processing and just to, to avoid a, to, to potentially avoid a minefield here. And I, I don't need to correct you, but I think it's, it's not that we're saying in terms of, of like, uh, what gear you got under your belt gender, but in a more, thinking more like a yin and yang sort of way. Right. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, more, I don't, a more feminine, more like open generative, what is typically associated. I don't, is that fair to say? Sure, and I don't, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I am apologizing in to advance. <laughs> yeah, I'm apologizing in advance uh, by saying that this is that this uh, description of my thinking was located in the past, so I don't need any email. Um, but you know, that the in contrast to all of my male friends who just who just are glassy eyed when I try to talk to them about this stuff, and the problem is that my that my uh, woman friends who we can sit and talk this way about all kinds of things. They're not as receptive to me talking about my uh, relationship issues now for whatever reason, because everyone is sort of, we're, we're older. Everyone is partnered off. It's a, it's a different world. And there, I don't have that same kind of access to, 
you know, like a group of women that accept me as one of their own and that we can talk about stuff sort of freewheeling. And there's always, you know, there's also, there's always energy and chemistry in those relationships where, where there are often feelings of like, well, we're really good friends, uh, feelings from both directions. Like we're really good friends. We talk so well together. Eventually we're going to fall, fall into a romantic relationship with one another. But in the meantime, let's enjoy this, this like closeness that we feel. And that's just not, that's, that's much less a part of my just daily world than it was 15 years ago. And so I'm, you know, I, so there is something sort of tribal about it too, that I'm like one of the, I'm one of the, the males that got pushed out of the herd a little bit as the herd matured, you know, like a, just sort of an old, <laughs> an old deer that like little by little, the social pressures of the deer herd were like, well, you go find your own turf. You just stand here and watch your stories. <laughs> you know, like well, here's some salt. <laughs> you're a, you're a 24 point deer now and there's just not room for your antlers here. And, uh, and yeah, <laughs> it's making me, you're two pointy. <laughs> it's making me, uh, you know, like I'm just ripe. I'm, I'm the, like I'm in the crosshairs of every hunter in the county. So, so that's, I guess, why all the daydreaming. Did you get a chance to get on the track? In my daydream? No, oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, they, they, so what happened? I mean, if I could ask, you, you kind of left me on, uh, left me hanging here. Did, 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 did he take the bet? Sure, he took the bet. I beat the kid in three, in three laps. Oh, I nice. pocketed, I pocketed the 40 grand again, like, with a with a with a swagger, and in a, in a little way, like this forty grand still here in my pocket. Like when it comes time, when in the race, the carburetor breaks, and we're a scrappy little uh, little wet wipes team, and the guys up in the head office are like rubbing their hands together, going, "Ha ha ha, <laughs> we're uh, we can't lose, you know, we, they're going to lose, and by that we cannot lose." Then I pull the forty grand out, throw it down on the table, and say, "Get a new carburetor." Ha. Right? Like you go no, over to the, no excuse. Yeah, go over to the rich team, and throw that forty grand down, and the slick backed hair sleazeball who runs the rich team, yeah, is going to take it. He's going to take it as a dare, a, a challenge to his own uh, thing, and he's going to say, "You know what? I'm going to sell you that carburetor because I feel like I'm still going to beat you. I'm going to give you the part." Because I feel like I feel like when I find, when I do beat you, it's going to quadruple your shame mm. because I didn't keep the part from you, you know. But it's also a little sportsmanlike too. It's in the spirit of sportsmanship. So that forty grand is going to come back into the story. I didn't play that. I didn't play the story out that. Well, far. You, I mean, you, you can't don't get ahead of yourself. It'll when you're ready, you'll go to the next chapter. Yeah. So I just I I got as far as coming, you know, climbing out of the NASCAR. And the kid, you know, the, the, the whiny kid is like, well, it's not fair because he blank and he blank and he blank. Did, and the, did, he, throw his, did he throw his helmet on the ground really hard? Threw his helmet on the ground. And then, <laughs> and then the manager boys. <laughs> the manager put his hand up in, in the kid's face and he was like, you know, pack your bag. Oh. Right? And then yes. he's because he's, he's looking at me. He's like, what do you got? How do you do it? Mm-hmm. Like, at your age especially. And I'm like, stamina is one of the things I <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, you had you just made your point, and you, 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 you slink off, 
uh, not slink off. You carry yourself like a gentleman. Do you, do you head out through the fence again? Or, no, or at no, this no, point, no, no. This is the beginning of, uh, of a wonderful relationship. Yeah, this is the beginning beautiful, of a beautiful of a, friendship, as they say. Of a one-year relationship. Uh-huh. Right, because I'm going to take this underdog team to the championship ring in one year, and then I'm going to disappear again. Oh, right, then I'm going, to, I'm going to walk out, walk out of the grandstand, and somebody's going to go, "Hey, Ace," and I'm going to turn around, and they're going to say, "It's probably Susan Sarandon." Yeah, yeah. She's going to say, "We're going to see you next year," and then I'm going to like, I don't know, twirl my fedora or or take my tie stick pin and. Toss it to her. Yeah, or, she she holds know, up the scorecard and it's got it's got a lipstick kiss on it. Lipstick kiss on it, right? Maybe I take a sawed off shotgun out of my knickers, fire it into the ceiling. <laughs> Watch out for the whiskey. <laughs> clank clank clank. <laughs> I don't know how the, I don't know how the film ends. There are a lot of possibilities. Yeah, well, you know, we're just just kind of spitballing. Yeah, we're spitballing. Mm. This is this is what it's like in the writers' room. Oh, sure. Of all these sitcoms that you know, I follow so many people that work in in sitcoms. Writing and writing and writing. And I saw a picture after the Emmys this year of someone I know taking a knee with about 30 other people, 30 other dopes, and they're all holding Emmys. Yeah. And the person I knew who was taking a knee, I said, she can't possibly have also won an Emmy for that show because I know what she does on it. And please God. Because it's not a good program? I've never seen the program. Okay. But you can win but, you can win Emmys for all kinds of stuff. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I'm thinking to myself, if you can just if you can just win an Emmy, like all of these clowns, yeah. what well, I've made a terrible choice in life to not be in one of those rooms sitting there sharpening pencils or whatever, you know, uh, or uh or tiddling. Oh, you're talking about like a, te- a technical Emmy. Or something, right? I mean, why am I not sitting throwing cards into a hat <laughs> or, or th- throwing cards through a pumpkin Yeah, or whatever or th- throwing cards through a, a watermelon or an old watermelon? <laughs> and in that room, when somebody waltzes in and says, you know what? Everybody in this room won an Emmy because it's not you specifically. It's the room that won the Emmy. Oh, I see. Right? The plural. Like, the plural you. I'm never going to be in a room that wins an Emmy. Oh, man. I don't think you might you might surprise yourself. You might you you might surprise yourself. I see. I think I see you as maybe like you're a, you're a guest. You're a, like a guest star. Yep. Or it could right. be for like a, I still think I, I've said this to you for what, ten years now. PBS documentary. I'm telling you. You know all those people whose career in Hollywood doesn't start until they're six. Yeah, you're, you're like the Grandma Moses of Emmy Awards. Yeah, right. I'm going to I'm going to have a career uh, whatever my current career is. Sure. And then at some point somebody's I'm going to be sitting in a soda shoppy, mm-hmm. having a malted, and somebody's going to waltz in and say, "We're looking for the new Lebowski." Yeah. Or we want somebody to play the old trapper. Or maybe um maybe Silicon Valley types have aged in the next 15 years. And now the instead of the trope being like 20-something callow, striving Stanford grad. Yeah. The new trope is, oh, all those Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are like thrashed from years of drinking Soylent. Oh, I see. Never their, their, body, the their body's ravaged. Yeah. And now they look 60 when they're actually 40. And because I have vitality. Sure. You got stamina. So you got stamina. I got stamina. When I'm 60, I'm going to read as 
a thrashed forty-year-old. I see. You can play. You can play thrashed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know. I noticed the other day. I was walking along, and I was trying to imagine being cast in a uh, in a film as the wise but stoned sort of sage friend of the protagonist. Um, and, oh, interesting. Right? The, the slightly stoned because that's what that's what makes his it contextualizes the sageness. Because you can't just have the friend of the protagonist just be a flat out sage. There's got to be something, some chink in his armor hmm. that uh, that makes you that makes him relatable. And so in this case, it would be like, oh, sure, he's like some, he's a burnout. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking along practicing my burnout eyes. Mm. But, you know, the burnout eyes have to not be so burned out. They're not like that guy, uh, the, the, the white guy in all the Dave Chappelle skits who plays the stoner. Mm-hmm. It, you, have to have the, you have to have eyes that communicate, I smoked a lot of weed. But maybe I don't smoke it anymore, mm. or maybe now I'm just I'm just taking it in in pill form, and it's not in it's not it's not hindering my ability to be smart and present, but it has given me insight into the sea, the sea writ large. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking along, I was practicing my stoner eyes, which I understood to be l- lidded, heavy lidded, but with eyebrows up. Oh, yeah, so, I'm doing it now. I can see exactly right? what you mean. So you make you make the lids of the eyes like kind of, uh, but then eyebrows up because you're like in you're in it. You're in the game. You're not just like mm-hmm. asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your eyebrows are up, but your lids are heavy. I'm doing and it. then yeah. yeah, and then kind of you know you're just you're talking softly, but it's not it's not like stoner voice. No, no, no. Right, you're talking, but you have a normal voice, but it's a little bit like softer, a little bit of little bit of uh, vocal fry yeah. in there. And you're do, the, do you speak elliptically and sometimes accidentally come upon something like a really brilliant just kind of slides out and everybody in the room is floored? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's why you're there. That's the whole reason you got written into the plot. So it's it's not exactly Shaggy. It's not no. exactly Lebowski, and it's it's not no. quite Morgan Freeman. No, no, no. But he's like, ah, I got this. You know, I have this problem that is the artificial problem that is at the center of this film. Sure, we need that. And uh, and you know, and like you're here. Uh, because you, because you're the protagonist's wise friend and, but it's a, but here's the, here's the gag, right? Here's how I win an award, a yeah. big award. Yeah. This is a, this is a serious film. It's not a comedy. It's not a stoner comedy. Oh. The, the, the wise stoned friend is actually like the, the, uh, the caddy or the limo driver. Right. Somebody. Somebody in a in a drama. You're, you're the magical, real, you're the magical Negro. Yeah, that's right. There's there are real stakes here, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm somewhat maybe mystical. Mm-hmm. Am I really there? Did I come through the cloud or mm-hmm. not? And this is the cloud, mm-hmm. and this is where because it's a tech documentary. I maybe I came through the cloud, mm-hmm. but uh, but so I I have this wisdom, but I'm also like it's uh, it's like a goodwill hunting situation. Where, uh, where maybe there's an Oscar in it for me. Oh, now are you are you Robin Williams or or the or uh, Matt Damon? I I think in this scenario I'm Robin Williams. It's too late for me to be Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. I had a window. I had a window where I could have been Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon I was do- window. I was doing other things. Yeah, yeah. But now I feel like I could be the Robin Williams in a film. That could be very affecting, John. Right. I think I would. I would enjoy. I would enjoy that movie. 
Is there, are tears coming to your eyes right now a little bit? I don't know. I'm, I'm a little high right now. Yeah. Are you going to try and catch a nap today? Well, I've got <clears throat> I've got one major dramatic thing going on in my life, which is that there are a couple <laughs> of people. What? Just one major one. Today. Just one. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Just one today. Well, it's actually a two part problem. There are two people, both of whom. So actually, actually three people, but only two of them. Okay. So there are three people. Do you want this on the who, show? Well, I'm 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 adjudicating. I'm, I'm, I hear I'm, you. I hear you fi- finding your way through the hedge maze again. Yeah, here I am in the hedge maze. I'm trying to find the way to say. <laughs> there are three people, <laughs> all three of whom are struggling with drugs and alcohol. Oh no, that wasn't what I expected. Yeah, yeah and three people struggling in very different ways. Are you sponsorish for them, or just a well, pal? So I, so they have all three of them reached out to me from their various quadrants of the world. Saying, and some of them are not in Seattle, but are here in Seattle now. And all three of them are like, I'm in this situation. I don't know how to proceed. And I, my, you know, my traditional method of handling this situation is like, well, do you really want to do something about it? Or are you just bullshitting me? Cause I don't need a, I don't need more bullshit in my life. And I was talking to a fourth friend, a woman with, with much experience in life. And she said, um, apropos of nothing like we were not talking about this situation all we were talking about something else and she said i just feel like i need to be giving back all the time and i need to be practicing the humility of giving back without ranking my contribution or ranking the receiver of my contribution but just like here i am i'm a person in the world what can i do well just like doing it with a full heart yeah you don't have to be you don't have to be somebody uh, that I want something from or somebody important for me to help you. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, ticking this off. I'm not putting this in a bank anywhere. And so I took that, I took her advice to be a, uh, a message from, uh, the, the great spirit. And I realized, Oh, I was kind of, I was not doing my work. I was not doing my job for these three people, each in their own way. They all came at once and I needed to be more selfless here and hmm. actually not say, are you serious about this? Because I've got, uh, I've got jewels to stack. Right. But say like, what can I do? I'll meet you for, I'll meet you for this. I'll meet you for that. And, uh, and so what I have, what I have orchestrated is that I'm going to meet one of the people and then he and I are going to go visit the second person. So by, so by that, the, the, the first person is going to be now, uh, also part of the operation to help the second person and helping the second person will help the first person. Oh my goodness. Okay. And help me. Yes. So that's in my plan for the afternoon, but I've only had, uh, three and a half hours of sleep. You've been lining up jewels. And I feel a little cookie-wawa. Mm. And I'm not sure whether that makes me more helpful, less helpful, or just maybe I'm just, maybe I'm the, the person that's in the present here. You're the one that's going to get helped the most. You never know. Maybe, that's right. Maybe I'm the one living in the real world today mm. and not my imagination. So, uh, but I really want to take a nap. 
and I'm thinking, can I can I fit a nap into all of this? I don't. I don't. Maybe. Maybe. I think a short, a, short, a little shorty would help. Even if it was a twenty minute nap, it might help. What do you? How do you feel about an hour and a half long nap? That's the perfect nap. You think an hour and a half is? That's because it uh, matches up with your rhythms. You got to find out what your specific rhythm is. But ninety minutes is about what the rhythm is. You're for saying the get down. You can get down. Get down. Mm-hmm. You can get funky. Get funky. And you can get back up. Right. Rhythm's going to get you. There's going to get you. And the other thing you could do is you could put your phone in another room in like airplane mode or something or turned off. You pl- plug it in. Make sure you got phone power for the day. And also you're not going to be lining up jewels. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is that real anymore? Is that a realistic expectation anymore? Not we the fought phone our nearby. Phones. We fought our phones for a long time. Yeah. We didn't we it wasn't even much of a valiant fight. Not not many of us really put up a fight. But we no. fought. Yeah, we made a game attempt at it. We put it over there. We we shut it off. We went out for the day without it. <laughs> um but is it real anymore that we're is that a game that we're even going to keep playing? I don't know. I turned a corner at some point in the last definitely in the last year, probably in the last few months where I was like, well, yeah, this is just a thing now. Like, I, there's yeah. so much stuff I, I do. Uh, I don't want to put it too strongly, but I really do feel like rely upon. There's the one thing of, like, I need to know if something happened in, in my little world that I have to take care of right now. That's always been a thing. But right. I, I could have a flip phone for that. But honestly, for things like, even if it's just stuff like, you know, uh, paying for something with Apple Pay or for being able to look something up or mm-hmm. whatever, I, I don't know. I I feel like, for better or for worse, it's definitely gone from being something I make fun of everybody about to going like, well, this is kind of the new normal. New norm. I mean, you know, not, again, I don't, I'm not saying that's, whether that's good or bad, but I'm saying it's it's not as weird as it used to be. I just realized that if Google, if the Goog. The Goog, yeah. If the Goog had put out a phone that wasn't trying to be every phone for everybody it wasn't trying to be all things to all people, but if Google had put out a phone that just Googled, oh, think about that for a uh-huh. minute. If Google had put out a Google phone that phoned and Googled only, mm. and there was no other app, it did perform no other function. I get you. But just, just to Google. It's almost like those emergency phones you can get, like for a kid or keep in your car. Where it's got the really long life, and but it's only meant to be used, like you're saying in this case, like if I really, really need to find Hamilton tickets, I do it right now. Or if I need to find where the closest, uh, you know, uh, noodle place is. Well, because I spend, I spend most of my time on my phone on, you know, using the Goog to, to get around. Sure. And I don't need other stuff. I really don't. Hmm. I don't need other stuff. I can, I can interact mostly with the world. Through Goog, because I'm just trying to figure out when this building was built. I'm trying to figure out what the infield fly rule is. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who sank the Lusitania. Yeah. Somebody, somebody actually asked me the other day who I thought sunk the main. Like, well, we, like, we said it was the Spanish? Well, no. I mean, the, 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 the conspiracy <laughs> theorists say that we sank the main. Oh, yeah. Who do, who do we say sank it, though? Oh, the Spanish. That, okay. That's pre- precip- precipitated the Spanish American War. I am of the opinion that it was an accident, but I couldn't believe that I was being entreated into the conversation who sank the main. And I feel like that's the kind of thing. I mean, I don't need Google to answer that question, but 
in the course of a day, there are just enough things that I need to resort to Google that, that not carrying my phone just doesn't feel smart because, because I used to sit and think like, well, I don't know how many, uh, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. And I let that go. There would be, now, there'd be no way to find out. But no way to find out. It's just like, well, maybe when I get home, I can look in the encyclopedia if I care that much, but I don't. But now if somebody says, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? I'm like, I'd sure like to know that now that you've brought it up and you Google it and the Internet's never going to lie to you. Mm -mm. And then, you know, and then you go down the you go through the rest of your life going, yeah, I, I one time I did a little research on that. <laughs> I did a little. Have, did you, a little have you tried research. it recently? Because I kind of want to try it. Uh, how many angels can dance on the head how of a pin? How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Um, I haven't. I mm. haven't Googled that recently. See, it gives me a link to Wikipedia. It doesn't really provide an answer. Yeah. Okay, let's say that. Wikipedia phone. Wikipedia phone. You don't even need Google. Google's just going to end up uh, directing you to a Yelp review. I'm going to say here, have an eel. If I, that's right. If, if I could, I think there are a lot of people who would just carry a Yelp phone. And those would be Ugh. people I would exclude from my life. Oh, I would love some kind of a beacon to let me know when they're nearby. Right? Somebody with like a little Yelp symbol hovering over their head Ugh. that you could just, as a, uh, as a uh, Mario brother, you could just uh, like blonk them and mushroom their, their coin. coin. Oh, yeah. run my engagement party. <laughs> but if I had just a wiki phone, mm. Wikipedia phone that did nothing else. Just wikied. I think I would just carry that. I think I would. Well, wait a minute. It would need a camera. And then see the whole thing. Then the wheels come off. Oh. If your wiki phone has a camera, yep. then then it might as well be an iPhone. Oh. Telephone. <laughs> 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 <laughs>